Former Japanese Prime Minister Abe was assassinated. Elon Musk announced he won't be buying Twitter. Well, feature interview: Average American may be unknowingly contributing to the energy crisis through their investment account. Welcome to Wayne Cathy Show. I'm your host Wei Fang. I'm Cathy Zhang. Yeah, well, sorry that we're late. We're switching system. That's the reason. It should be a one-time thing. And、uh, thank you very much for still being here with us. Yeah, appreciate your patience with us. Yeah, within two days, really big things happen, right? Just just as as short as yesterday, and、uh, the Prime Minister of the Great Britain, or the United Kingdom,、um, quit his job, and then today the former Prime Minister of Japan. Um, Abe, um, she's no Abe, was assassinated, and、uh, a, for, a former military officer of the, the basically the, the self-defense、um, force of Japan, and、uh, said uses self self-made gun to shoot at、uh, former President Abe, who was speaking at the rally, and with two shots, he fell and passed away a few hours later, and、um, so. Other things like、uh, Elon Musk just announced this afternoon, saying that he won't be buying Twitter. So, three shocking news, and it just happened within 24 hours. And、uh, today, Kathy also brought you a、um, in-depth interview, right,、mm-hmm. about a topic that has to do with you and、uh, and me, and、uh, all of us. So first, let's look at、uh, the Japanese、uh, Prime Minister Abe's was assassination. Okay, as you may have read from the news, that、um, it had just happened about 20 about 20 hours ago. And today, I won't go through the process because you probably have read enough about it on the on the news media. I just want to talk to you about what type of person、um, Abe is. Actually, I I traveled to Japan Japan about fifteen、uh, years ago when he was the first、uh, prime minister in the first term for for the for first term. Yes, first、mm-hmm. time, and I got to know about him, and I even met with his、um, one of his、uh, top advisors.、Mm. Okay, at that time. So. Indeed, what kind of person? He's very unique. He's a, he's a, he has very clear value. Okay, this guy is not a politician, a mishmash type of、uh, politician. This guy has a clear value and a clear ideology. So he's the leader of the、um, Jap- Jap- Japanese conservative force.、Mm-hmm. Okay, it's called the、uh, Liberal Democratic Party. Okay, in other words, it's just like a, sort of like the Republican Party in this country. And、uh, so Japan always faced two issues. On one side is China. On the other side is U.S. Okay, do we ally with China or do we ally with the U.S.? Inside post-war, Second World War,、uh, among the politicians, there's always these two, how to say, sect. Okay, holding different opinion. For the people who want to draw close with、uh, China, they view that China share the same cultural root. And、uh, China is so close, and they are so powerful, such a big population. We really cannot,、um, you know, become an enemy of China. Otherwise, we'll be in trouble. All right. The other side are hold clearly. We need to choose our ally according to the value. Okay, not who is close or who is far. And then among them, those、um, Abe is one of them. And Abe actually just like Kennedy or Bush、um, family. Okay, Abe is from come from a political family that has a long history, and、uh, his father was the foreign minister of of Japan in the 1980s.、Mm-hmm. But his father is not the most well known politician. His grandfather on his father's side was、um, 
was really against the war ministry, uh, the war ministry um, before the, during the Second World War. Okay, at that time the Prime Minister was Dong Tiao Yingji. Okay, and then he was very bold. He was very daring. After the war, he founded the Japan, uh, Japanese uh, uh, Progressive Party. What was most well known is his uh, grandfather on the mother's side. Okay. And uh, his name is An Xingjie. Okay, English is called uh, um, Nobusuki Kishi. Okay, and uh, he was um, in the he, in the 1997 he became the Japan Jap, uh, the Prime Minister of Japan. Three months after he stepped into that role, he visited Taiwan. Mm. Okay, so along with uh, the Chiang Kai Shek, he co signed a common statement. To saying that uh, support Chiang Kai-shek's um, um, uh, re-attack and uh, taking over, taking back uh, mainland China. All right. He also reformed the, his uh, cabinet and used a lot of uh, right-wing people that uh, was what wasn't used. Okay, um, after the war, and he also signed the new uh, U.S. and Japanese uh, security um, security treaty. Okay, and interesting enough. He almost was assassinated. He was he was attacked and uh, he was hurt. Mm. Didn't die. Okay. But then afterwards, he stepped away from uh, the politi uh, political circle and he passed away in the, in the, at the age of ninety. So a very respected politicians in Japan, and uh, and the Kishi, okay, his grandfather on the mother's side has strong influence over Abe. He just basically inherited all his ideas and his. Uh, his ideas and his ideals from the grandfather. And then in the 1993, he became the first uh, member of the parliament. Okay. And then in 19, uh, 2006, at the age of 52, he became, became the youngest prime minister of Japan. Because mm -hmm. right. Japan, you know, in, in China and Japan, you don't, you don't quite, uh, how to say, excel through capability, you still, your age matters a lot in your ranks. Mm. Okay, at the age of 52, he became the prime minister. That's that was already unprecedented. All right, he's also the first, how to say, prime minister, prime minister who was born after the war, the world, the, the Second World War. So he only held that position for one year. Okay, afterwards he got this um, um, health, problem. health problem. He has to. Announced that he resigned, so he went back and tried to recuperate and uh, did well. So three years later, he came, he made a strong comeback, and to everybody's surprise, he became the um, the, the, the president of the, uh, the the Liberal Democratic Party again. In Japan, there's no prime minister election or president election. Whoever the whoever is the president of the ruling party automatically become the prime minister. Okay, so then he became the prime minister in, 19, in 12, uh, 2012. Since then, he has been on the position for seven years until, okay, until he quit again because of the, uh, the comeback of the health problem. Mm. So that's basically his, um, his past. He's highly respected by Japanese people. All right? He's also, he was the youngest uh, prime minister and have clear um, ideology and can go with, uh, you know, just can hold on to it. So basically, he's a very much a Japanese version of a conservative, uh, how to say, conservative politician. Mm. All right, he really adored like a Reagan's uh, policy. So he founded his Abe 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 Economics. 
economics, Abe economics. So he used um, all kinds of way, monetary policy, financial policy, and structural reform. The whole goal is to revitalize private business. Mm -hmm. Okay, making sure they have money to invest, have room to grow, have less regu regulation. So he just, you know, achieved good result, and he was loved by most of the Japanese people. So today, you know, the whole Japan is, is you know, feel very sad and some of them are very angry about this assassination because assassination really does not happen often in Japan at all. Yeah, and Daniel um, was asking how did the killer know that he was going to be at that location? Yeah, I, I didn't investigate, but I, I'm assuming like Japan is sort of just like the US, okay? It's, it's, it's a free country, it's a democratic part, you know, country, and his uh, itinerary probably is just public. Yeah, I just uh, uh, I listened to uh, one of the commentators uh, in Japan mm -hmm. who's a Chinese uh, Japanese yeah. and he said uh, it's just uh, in Japan it's a lot like uh, in Taiwan because I saw what how Taiwan when they did uh, those uh, election campaign yeah yeah they just uh, went on the street you know there's no guard the microphone yeah. no guard and they will you know the politicians will the candidates will shake hands with people do speeches and uh, so and the it's a public uh, kind of scheduling, yeah. so it's open to the public. So that's probably how you know the killer, um, the, the yeah. You got close no. to to him. Yeah. The killer is only like a three or say like a nine, you know, uh, just three yards from him and shoot from behind. It's a shame. Okay, it's a shame. And the, the killer said this. The killer said, I, "I'm not, uh, you know, uh, killing him because of his political agenda. We're killing him." I want to kill him because of other reason. What is the what other is reason? reason? So I actually I asked my, my colleagues, okay, media colleagues in Japan, as I said, what, what could be the reason? What, what's, what's the, what are the feeling of the people? And he said, people don't feel it's a simple matter. This is a you know, lone wolf's you know, issue. There's a deeper reason to it. Well, what's the truth? We don't know. We have to stay tuned and find out later. Yeah. Hopefully. And one of, again, that Chinese-Japanese uh, commentator just reviewed something, you know, may not be directly related, but he noted that uh, because the killer is, was former, like uh, their kind of um, uh, national guard. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, self-defense force. Yeah, self-defense force. Um, and uh, many of them actually married to Chinese women. Is that right? Yeah. So because uh, it's supposed to be like, it's almost like a part of uh, Department of Defense. Mm -hmm. So. A very strong, you know, should be very strong hold uh, on in terms of uh, uh, protecting Jap Japan. But uh, so that kind of phenomenon actually raised a lot of uh, concerns at that time. Yeah. So, but you know, in details we don't know yet what's really the motivation behind this killer. Yeah. But um, you know, President of, um, Trump and uh, Biden and uh, like. Uh, Basically, all the, the, the current, the, the former state secretary uh, Pompeo and the current uh, secretary of the state, they all expressed the sorrow. And the Indian prime minister, basically, the, the um, world. yeah, yeah, those um, the sympathy was pouring from around the world, and the Japanese people they are feeling very, very sad at this time. So they really have our sympathy. So it's a great person. So I asked my colleagues. I said, what is the most characteristic about Abe? He said he's the 
He is the flag, the banner bearer, banner bearer of the conservatism in Japan. So there's no second person um, uh, besides him. So who will be succeeding him? Nobody know. But he's, um, he's someone with a clear position, clear value, and is being willing to hold on to it. But he's also a, a, a how to say, he's a, he's a hawk, okay, hawkish mm -hmm. politician, but he's a cautious hawk. hawk. Mm -hmm. he's, he does not offend China right there. He still try to making sure that he can pacify uh, China or the CCP while just carry out his own agenda. And uh, so he established this quad, right? This four country, India, Australia, US, and Japan uh, alliance. And uh, so I think the only shortcoming I, I see in him is like, uh, he's a little too cautious sometimes. Mm. But anyway, in general, this, this person is a strong conservative leader and work very, very hard. Okay, his health problem probably came from overworking. Mm. Um, yeah, but um, we're very sorry that he passed away. All right. Yeah, and the, the Japanese uh, uh, House of, uh, they call it House Councilors election, is, is just going to happen two days later. later. So it's expected that uh, this assassination probably will have uh, important impact on the election results. Yeah. So I, I also asked, what would be the result? Uh, my colleague said probably will just, um, the, his party probably will win bigger mm -hmm. because of the, you know, the anger of the people. All right, let's move on to the next shocking news, which is indeed very shocking. Just in this afternoon, Elon Musk just uh, wrote a letter to the board of the Twitter and also submit this to the SEC saying that I'm not buying Twitter anymore. The reason why he said, uh, okay, he want to find out what the, the, the boss, right, the fake account would be under, indeed under 5%. He has no way to verify that. Okay, he said uh, sometimes Twitter ignored Elon Musk's uh, requests. Sometimes it rejects them for reasons that appear to be unjustified, and sometimes claim to comply while giving Elon Musk incomplete and, and unusable information. All right, and then he also said they they finally got access to to Twitter's fire hose, a fire hose. I'm sorry, fire hose, which is a live a real-time stream of more than 500 million tweets posted every day. But he said they don't give him the API that is effective enough for him to look into those the fire holes and to find out indeed what's, what's the level of the uh, fake accounts. Mm. Okay. So finally, as a conclusion, he said, uh, uh, we have given you enough opportunity and you are not responding. So thus, we canceled the purchase. We terminated the merger agreement. Wow. So, and then Twitter just uh, said they're going to sue him, right? Yeah. Within one hour, Twitter board said that they're going to follow through the merger, requi the merger agreement and to finish the deal. And they plan now to take legal action to making sure the agreement will be executed. So just wonder, like for um, you know, Elon Musk, he really mean, meant that he won't buy it. And also, my question also is like, did he, it's what he planned or is he really intended to buy it? And well, that's a $44 billion question, right, Kathy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let, let me give you my analysis, okay? And, uh, you know, our viewers can. Uh, yeah, what do you think? Yeah. What do you think? So, first reason, he really doesn't want to buy. Second, he cannot afford it, okay? He regret, okay? Or indeed, he feels he's, he's cheated. 
the, the fake account was so terrible, he cannot get the answer. So he's, you know, it's, it's, it's justified yeah, for him to walk away. Mm -hmm. He's frustrated enough. What is the reason? Okay, I just want to share with you my reason. Because I did a re little research about Elon Musk's uh, financial strength. As you know, the stock market slide terribly and, uh, to today. And how much you know, net worth does he still have? As of now, he's still got $224 billion. Mm. All right, among them, about half. $110 billion came from the Tesla, still the Tesla. Then he got other things, right, right like a SpaceX. SpaceX is worth about $125 billion at, at this time. Mm. How, much he, how much he own? You know, Kathy, he owns 17% of Tesla. Okay. Tesla is very, very big, nearly trillion dollar company, but he only owns like 17%. Mm. But uh, for SpaceX, the private company, okay, it's not a public company. We don't know the, how to say. There's no number to its value yet, only estimate. The estimate is $125 billion. He owns 40% of that. Mm. Now, talking about this boring company, right? This is another futuristic company, which just will send a car from one end to the other end at, uh, you know, several hundred miles per hour kind of speed. He owns 90% of that. Mm. Well, about the Neuralink, I didn't check. He probably owns 90 or even 100% of the Neuralink. Each of those companies will shake the world, <laughs> remake our future. So in short, he still got $220 billion, okay? And then the price is $44 billion, right? Clearly, it's only like 20% of his net worth. This is one thing. The second thing is, is he, does he feel very hard to spend us $44 billion? Is it too much for him? Let me tell you, two years ago, in the year of 2020, how much net worth does he have? Do you know? Do, do you know? Mm, how much? 25 billion only. Okay. His net worth was 25 billion dollar two years ago. Last year it grew to be 150. This year at the peak time it grew to 270. He just made his whole fortune, become the number one rich, you know, the wealthiest people, into only two two years. Mm -hmm. Okay. His wealth just just. Back, ballooned in two years. Okay, remember, he got, really got only $25 billion two years ago. So those are newfound money, okay? Among them, he takes $44 billion to buy something, he clearly can afford it. This is one point of view I have. Okay. The second is this, the bank, those several banks did not back out. They did not say, since the sliding of the Tesla stock, we feel unsafe, we feel unsure, we feel inconfident, we'll, not, we'll yank the money back. No, they did not do that. He still got their money, okay? So the money is other people's money, using his Tesla's stock as collateral. He's well-financed to carry out the purchase still. So besides, today, I check his tweets, right? I want to know whether he's depressed. It's a very, very hard decision. He's walking away, he lost his name, he, he probably will, you know, the, will lose money at the court. But he tweeted a few things that's very funny, okay? For example, Joe Biden, somebody just posted something saying Joe Biden was reading from the teleprompter, and among the words, there's, there's this uh, reminder saying, repeat this line. And uh, Joe Biden was reading, repeat this line. So somebody make fun of it, and uh, Elon Musk added on, saying that uh, whoever controlled the teleprompter is the real president. I hope you know, this, chat, this video will not be penalized for this. I'm talking about just something that happened. So he's in very light spirit mode. Mm. So I don't really think he's walking away, guys. I think he's merely want to use this tactic to depress the buying price so that he can get a bargain. That's my, my reading. I could be wrong. 
but let's give it some time. I think the next, what would happen next is Twitter, Twitter will be suing him. They're going to fight in the court. It's going to be a lengthy, <clears throat> protracted fight. And Elon Musk will go to Twitter and tell them, you know what, it's going to take however many months to sort this out. During meantime, in the meantime, the Twitter, the future is, <clears throat> is cloudy. You cannot hire people. People will be fleeing. It hurts you. It hurt me. Why don't we have a deal? Lower 20%. What do you think? Okay, so <laughs> let's see. Yep. So seven. far, so far, guys, so far, I've been correct in my guessing of Elon Musk's next move. This is my new guess. Mm. It could be wrong, but well, we'll see. Yeah, he's a good business person. You know, it's, I think it's not impossible that he use this kind of strategy trying to get a more fair price for this purchase, right? Yeah. Yeah, so what do you think? I really want to know. What do you think? Yeah, do you think uh, he's really walking away or he's faking to walk away? Okay. I want to know. I want to know your thought. And then we can give ourselves about, I think, about uh, one month. We probably can get to the bottom of it. Yeah, Jonathan said, uh, Jonathan, you said that Twitter won't say how many fake accounts, but the company is valuable because it has so many subscribers. Hmm. And uh, he continued, Jonathan, you said uh, he's being cheated and uh, now he might get shadow banned. Okay, Louis, you, you wrote, oh, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, Larry said that maybe Kathy could help Elon out with a small check. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, he, I'm not sure how yeah, this small check. Guys, Elon's check. Elon has enough checks. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but Louis wrote that. I, I will take that. Okay. Elon will win in the end. Louis, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Z, Z, Z said uh, they don't have any interest in giving up the control. Not sure how this will end. Yeah, think about it, guys, right? Initially, he wanted to buy Twitter. They don't want to sell. So, who are you? Okay, they don't want to sell, right? They resist so hard. Yeah, they, 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 they pass this poison pill. Yeah, they wanted to protect right. whatever they are doing. Yeah. Now they're saying that, you buy it, please, you buy it. And of course, the reason is uh, Twitter's stock price or its value has dropped 30%, okay, compared to April 25th when the merger announcement was, uh, agreement was announced. But now they really, they want the money. They want the money. So it's very well, interesting. I think, you know, just be, because of this uh, back and forth, Twitter is already being like a lot of the truth being revealed, yeah. you know, how they works. And uh, if, if, if Elon Musk doesn't buy them. Ah, you know, it's like a, like a piece of trash. <laughs> <laughs> so they are, they, are, they are being hurt. Okay. They really want to sell themselves. And I think there's a chance for them to sell themselves. There's no, no second white knight, right? There's no second white knight. The only person interested is the only buyer interested buyer is Elon Musk. And he want to buy it because first reason he love it too much. The second he know how how important uh, you know public media, social media is, and uh, Twitter is a, is the strongest strongest social media in terms of a public opinion. Mm. All the opinion leaders are there. Not all. I'm sorry. Most many many opinion leaders are there. He know the value of that. I don't think he's walking away. But that's his, he, he could use some tactics. All right, so that's the second story. How about we move on to, this, to the third one? All right, so again, the energy, pri energy crisis and the, the spike of the gas price. Right? Yeah. Still, Crazy. although you know, in the past, 
Uh, I think the the first time that the average gas price reached to five dollars mm-hmm. is uh, less than a week, a month ago. Okay. Yeah, in mid of uh, July, uh, June, and right now in this couple of days, actually the gas price coming down. So, but it's not actually a good sign because um, the why the reason that it's coming down mm-hmm. it's because of the fear of uh, you know recession. Mm. So, but still, you know, people we've been talking about why we this energy crisis happened, and uh, you know, there are different reasons uh, from different people, right? So, the Biden administration has been blaming Putin, Russia, and then also blaming the energy companies for their greediness.、Mm-hmm. On the other hand, a lot of people, you know, especially on the conservative side, are just、uh, talking about. It is because of、uh, Biden、uh, Biden administration's、uh, policy,、mm. right? Just caused the shortage of the domestic oil and the gas um, um, supply, and then now what we are talk we will be talking about is a third opinion.、Mm-hmm. Is、uh, average Americans might have been unknowingly contributing to this energy crisis、mm. through their investment? Okay. So yeah, so it's curious, right? So that this claim was made by a new asset management company called the Strive Asset Management. It's a new company, just founded this year in Ohio,、mm. and the one of the co-founders,、uh, he's pretty well known, in, especially in the conservative world. His name is a、uh, Vivek Ramaswamy. Vivek Ramaswamy. Okay. He's a first-generation、uh, Indian American.、Mm-hmm. Okay, and he wrote a book called "Woke Inc." Inside Corporate America's Social Justice Scam. Okay. So, Vivek Ramaswamy, he's an entrepreneur, also a political commentator, New York Times best-selling author. His, you know, book uh, was uh, well received. His parents actually came immigrant from India, and he was born raised in small town in Ohio. He's、uh, you know very typical kind of、um, first generation Asian kid.、Mm-hmm. Did very well academically, and he was trained as a like a, a scientist, engineer, science scientist. Okay, close enough. <laughs> in, at Harvard. Yeah. Okay. And also trained as a lawyer in Yale. All right. Then he became a hedge fund manager. Manager in twenties. Okay.、He's、a very smart guy, and then he founded a, a multi-million-dollar enterprise, led a biotech company as CEO. Okay. However, he himself described him as a trader. Trader. Oh wow. <laughs> okay, so he wrote this、It's、book. His fifth profession. Yes, he wrote this book, Woke Inc. Revealing behind the scene of the corporate boardroom, those five-star conferences, Ivy League schools, and the secretive、uh, nonprofit organizations, and、uh, which you know he described as a new invisible force at work in our econ- economy and、uh, culture life. Really? Yeah. So that's you know. That's about the wokeness. Okay.、Right? Okay. So then this year he co-founded this、uh, Strive Asset Management. So I 
I talked to the head of the corporate governance in his company, mm -hmm. Joshua Denhoff. So their view is that through managing Americans' investment money, those largest asset management companies are manipulating, causing the domestic energy crisis. Mm -hmm. Okay, so just as a background, one of the largest companies they will be talking about BlackRock mm. and the State Street. They they manage a lot of money, right? For let me see, I have some some um, data somewhere. Okay, BlackRock's um, according to their own report, they manage nearly one hundred twenty million Americans. Money. Money. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Uh, only w just, and this is just in their iShares products alone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, they have other products. Then Vanguard, they manage uh, $6 trillion in global assets, more than 30 million, million investors worldwide. Wow. I haven't seen like how many in, the, uh, in America, but you know, that's a lot. That's as end of uh, 2019. Mm -hmm. And then by the way, according to Stripe, BlackRock and the State Street are paid members of the $60 trillion Climate Action 100 Plus Network, which represents over 50% of global assets and the management and the pressures companies to do things, mm -hmm. which they will be talking about. So without further ado, let's um, just take a watch of my interview with, uh, with Justin Denhoff. Sure. So it, it's really rather simple and it's frankly disturbing in its simplicity, right? So what you've got is, again, an ideological cartel of BlackRock, State Street and Vanguard that collectively have assets under management of over $20 trillion. That's larger than the GDP of the United States of America. So that just puts you know the, the, the financial picture into perspective. And so, again, they have assets under management, meaning it's other people's money. What do they do with that in the energy space? Well, let's look at last year's Exxon Mobil shareholder meeting. With the votes of BlackRock, State Street, and Vanguard, three climate change dissidents were appointed to Exxon's board, essentially with the stated goal of mothballing Exxon. What did Exxon do in the wake of those new board members coming, coming onto the team? Well, they cut production targets going forward. That is, they decided they are going to, you know, pull less oil out of the ground um, that make their way into the gas pumps for everyday Americans. And so when, you know, you, you enlighten everyday Americans to the fact that your money in a pension fund quite possibly went to helping this energy crisis grow completely out of control, they're of course outraged. Um, a lot of folks just tend to blame, you know, the Biden administration. And believe me, there's there's plenty of blame to go around when it comes to the actions um, and the words of the, the, the presidential administration right now here in the United States. However, most folks don't realize that BlackRock, State Street and Vanguard also have a hand in the pain they're feeling at the pump. And so our goal at Strive is to really educate the American people why this is happening to you and who the players are that did it um, so that we can effectuate change going forward. So Justin, what you are saying is that it just happened uh, in the past year? 
But it's been going on for quite some time, um, actually. So BlackRock is the largest of the three that, that I mentioned, you know, uh, uh, between BlackRock, State Street, and Vanguard. And starting in 2018, they really started putting their thumb on the scales of American corporations to vote in favor of what's known as ESG, that stands for Environment, Social, and Corporate Governance Policies in Corporate America. Um, they do th so th in a couple of ways. They do it through, again, I mentioned the shareholder voting, that's very important, but perhaps even more important is the engagement that BlackRock does with corporations. So as one of the largest shareholders of many companies in the S&P 500, they have an, you know, essentially an open door to engage with businesses to get them to change their behaviors. And in our view, these change behaviors belong more in the political sphere, not in the business sphere, because they're not in the best interest of Exxon. Again, Exxon, what was, what's their mission? I think it's to be the best, you know, oil and natural gas company, oil and gas company in the world, not to put oil and gas back in the ground, but rather, you know, to, 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 you know, thrive. And so that's our, that's our mission is to get companies to believe in excellence capitalism again, and to get them to refocus on their mission. So right now, again, BlackRock, State Street and Vanguard as some of the largest shareholders um, in companies, you know, across the United States of America, they've been doing this for some years, but they're really ramping it up in the, in the last two or three years again, to change corporate policy in ways that have nothing to do with the core mission of these companies. I'll give you another example. Um, last year at the Chevron shareholder meeting, there was a, another vote on a shareholder proposal that was you know, supported by BlackRock telling the company to reduce its scope three emissions. This proposal got more than 50% of the vote. Now scope three emissions really touch on everything a business not only does itself, but all of the partners and, and, and contractors that they engage with in their supply chain and elsewhere. And so, again, how is telling a carbon-based company to reduce all of its carbon across its platforms going to help the company perform better? Of course it's not, but that's not the point. Justine, I think people would ask if this kind of a policy you know, won't really um, serve the purpose or the mission of those energy companies and uh, probably will affect their bottom line why these companies would follow those type of policy yeah it, it's it's a good question and it's partly you know it, it's largely in part because their largest shareholders are driving this change and so the, the proxy vote in the United States of America, the corporate ballot, it's a very important vote uh, that a lot of Americans aren't paying attention to. You know, in America, we like to think of elections, you know, coming around every, every other November or every four years in November. But there's thousands of these votes for corporate board members and for shareholder resolutions that are taking place every year that Americans may not be aware of, but they really ought to be because they're affecting our culture in ways, again, that the everyday Americans, once they're made aware of it, they're outraged by it. Um, and so we think that we can have a very positive effect on American culture generally, not just the business culture, by correcting the, the corrupt proxy ballot vote. So that's what we're, what we're out to do is to expose 
the players and the actors that are involved in corrupting uh, the, the proxy vote. And then through Strive, we're going to work to correct the vote. In your press release, you mentioned uh, how the uh, invest companies like the BlackRock and uh, Vanguard, they on one hand are pressing our domestic energy companies to produce less against the oil, but uh, on the other hand, on their Chinese portfolio, they are doing opposite direction. So can you elaborate on that? Yeah, it, you know, the, the hypocrisy here is, you know, so stunning, you almost have to, you know, clap your hands at how bra brazen that companies like BlackRock specifically are, are acting in this sphere. So, again, while they take actions that cause Exxon to abandon oil projects, uh, you know, in, in certain areas across the globe, as one of the largest shareholders of Exxon, well, it just so happens that BlackRock owns something like 6% of PetroChina, who would very happily scoop up any project that Exxon would abandon. And so again, it, it just needs to be noted, the hypocritical stance that companies like BlackRock and their CEO, Larry Fink, take in the United States of America and really does economic harm to shareholders of companies such as Exxon and Chevron, while benefit companies such as PetroChina that BlackRock has a huge stake in get to benefit from the actions that he takes in American companies. So it's kind of like a double whammy, if you will, for the American people um, in that sense. And so, again, we just really want to raise the awareness of the American public on, you know, why you're feeling the pain at the pump. And really, you know, you can blame Larry Fink, but come to Strive because we'll help you do something about it. So, Justine, can you then tell our audience how Strive uh, Asset Management will do differently than those uh, big uh, companies? What we're going to do is we're going to restore the voice and the vote of everyday Americans whose capital right now is locked up in what we like to call an ideological cartel on Wall Street that uses money to politicize corporations um, rather than telling companies to stay focused on their missions. So that's what Strive is going to do. We believe in um, the concept of excellence capitalism. And, and what do I mean by that? We think that, you know, for example, you know, carbon-based companies such as Exxon, Chevron, Conoco, they should be the best, you know, oil and gas companies that they can possibly be by focusing on their mission, by focusing on what we consider the number one stakeholder, and that is their customer. Um, it is not, you know, to serve the interests of, you know, the, the Larry Finks of the world and their politicized view. Um, if they focused on their customer and being mission driven, perhaps the prices at the pump wouldn't be where they are right now. And so that's why Strive needs to bring that voice and that vote to the asset management world. And we will be launching our first products. Um, we expect to launch our first products, that is, in the third quarter of this year. We encourage folks to come to strivefunds.com to learn about what we're doing and uh, stay tuned for updates. It's going to be an exciting ride. And we think many everyday Americans will really um, come to our message. And we may not be for everybody, and that's fine as well. And we're also, just to be very clear, um, 
if there's a solar company, we're not anti-solar company. We think they should stay on their mission to be the best solar company they can possibly be, be the best wind company, wind energy company you can possibly be. We just think that there is too much politicization going on and it's being driven by the largest asset managers out of Manhattan. Strive will be based out of Columbus, the heart, the heartbeat of America, um, Ohio. And so, you know, please come to strivefunds.com to learn more about uh, the exciting uh, opportunities we have going forward. Everyday Americans are suffering right now and they need an outlet and they, they need a new voice and they need a new vote. And that's where the, the path that Strive is carving out. Um, we want to be the voice in the vote for everyday Americans because we know there's real suffering happening across the country and it doesn't have to be this way. The, the largest shareholders of these large energy companies in the United States of America are acting in ways that we think, you know, violates, frankly, their fiduciary obligation uh, to, you know, the underlying asset holders that they manage the money for. And so we are going to be very clear from day one how we're going to use our voice and our vote in a much different way that aligns with the majority of the American population and the majority of the investment community as well. And how do you think, uh, how much uh, impact it would have on those uh, companies and overall how the corporation are getting so politicized? Yeah, we think that there's actually a hunger with inside, inside of corporate America itself too for a change. Um, right now, again, they're hearing from an ideological cartel that has one you know, unified voice that's really pressuring them in, in quite a quite a strong direction. And so we think that there's a hunger for those companies um, for another voice in the room to change the tra trajectory of the discussion. And that's our goal at Strive is to change the trajectory of corporate America to get politics out of business because there's a place for politics. It's it's called state houses in Capitol Hill. Right. And that's where a lot of these debates need to be hashed out, not on a corporate proxy ballot. Anything else you would uh, like our audience to know about? Uh, just again, stay tuned. Uh, we expect to launch our first products in the third quarter of this year, and we hope many Americans will be excited about what we're doing. So come to strivefunds.com. Check us out on social media. Uh, we're happy to engage. All right. Thank you, Justin, for coming on. Thank you, Kathy. Appreciate it. All right. So, would you, what do you think? Would you consider giving him a chance? I, I think many of you, or at least some of us, you know, we deposit our money with the uh, Vanguard or BlackRock, right? Mm -hmm. It's such a big, such two big investment houses or asset management houses. Yeah, but they, you know, then they become the largest shareholder of those big companies, and they have the leverage to do things that, uh, you know, like one, the one example that uh, uh, Justine mentioned was uh, the, what, uh, the shareholder meeting yeah. in Exxon. Mm. So what he referred to was uh, in 2021, this, there's a firm called Engine Number no. One. Okay. It's actually a you know, environmental activist firm. Okay. They only held like 0.02% of the shares okay. in Exxon, but uh, they actually won two, two, two or three seats in Exxon's 12 member uh, board members. Wow. The reason is because 
BlackRock uh, uh, Black Black and uh, Vanguard backed them up. And then, you know, they just clearly said, you, you know, Exxon Mobil, you have to reduce the production of oil and the gas. And that's what they did. So destroy our, you know, backbone companies. Yeah, so I don't know, you know, in our, among our audience, so do you know about that already? Or it's your first time to hear, mm -hmm. hear about that, right? So. Yeah, what do you think? Yeah, and I saw, you know, a lot of uh, discussions. Daniel said, uh, I'm surrounded by cornfields, all used for ethanol production, but in your, play, in your place, a can of corn costs $2. Can you imagine that? Mm. Yeah. And, uh, and Louis said, I always vote the opposite of that board recommends. The system is rigged. Wow, you know, I, I have to say, Louis, you are very, you know, you're proactive. I don't know how many people are really like uh, voting in those proxy mm -hmm. elections. Yeah, the board, I mean. Yeah. yeah, because, uh, you know, like when we, you see the mail saying mm. it's a proxy voting is going on, a lot of time I just uh, put it away. Yeah. Well, that's what's happening to our country, but uh, for our job is to call to, you know, everybody's attention. Mm -hmm. And uh, Louis also suggesting to keep uh, cash at hand and uh, others. Um, you cash at hand, uh, physical gold and silver, as well as food preparation and uh, other things, right? And, uh, oh, James from California in Los Angeles saying that uh, I'm going to close my Vanguard mutual fund account. Things are too scary. Wow, so James, you made this decision after watching this uh, interview that's right that's my understanding right so yeah and the other thing is really like the the as the strive they pointed out it's like uh, you know our fellow americans are like just uh, kind of uh, being heard twice mm -hmm. one is as a, a consumer of the gas and the other is as an investor yeah in China, you know, the Chinese companies, what they are doing, they are still keep producing those coals, you know, producing those emissions. But BlackRock and Vanguard, they, they hold those uh, Chinese company portfolios. They don't yeah. tell them anything. They don't force them to, like, uh, limit their production or limit their mm -hmm. emissions, right? Yeah, it seems like uh, <clears throat> when the parents are saying that, take, our, take my kids out of school, take, back, take them home. Or just go into district and elected a new commissioner, right? Mm -hmm. The similar thing here. We either take our money back, yeah. or go in just vote uh, what do we wish should be the board member into into the into the board. So yeah, it's all for us to think about and uh, take action. Yeah, Louis uh, saying, Kathy, it's likely um, it's it's like voting for our electors. You need to vote on those proxies. Exactly. Yep. I, I think you said exactly right. We not, you know, only vote in the primary and the, the November election. That's the political election. But right now we realize those uh, proxy vote is also so important. Yeah. Right? And Lucio said it's too late for many people when your account has come down 20, 30, 40 percent. You are trapped. 
but it would still be better to sideline your money. Yeah, so you are talking about some reality here. Understand? Okay, so I guess that will all for today, tonight. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for staying with us. Well, again, we'll apologize for being late for about 20 minutes. Yeah, and it's, it's, appreciate you are still yeah, with us. Yeah, it's a whole, 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 uh, like a totally new studio, new system. So, yeah, but uh, you know, hopefully, you know, this is just a one-time thing. Again, appreciate that and uh, enjoyed just uh, our discussion here. Hope you enjoy too. Don't forget to like and, uh, you know, share our video. Yeah, thank you. Have a great weekend. Yeah, take care. All right. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.